We have got not one, but two jerseys going to the rafters. We got some news involving Carey Price and an update on his progress and timeline. And Evander Kane official to the Oilers and why it's not going to matter at all. All that and more coming up on episode 118 of the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Let's go. to welcome you in once again to another edition of the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Kyle Gamard, your host, as uh, as always here, and I'm just uh, I'm checking my levels because I'm I'm holding the mic a little differently this time. I've got it positioned in a different spot, so I want to make sure that's good, and it's just easier. I feel like I have a lot more control when I do it, but anyways, that's all behind the scenes stuff. Make sure to follow along wherever you get your favorite podcasts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, Instagram, and Twitter at SD Hockey Podcast. A couple different posts going up this morning involving well, a couple of our main stories today on the show as well. Uh, if you want to follow along with the hockey writers too, we have a topic coming up in the show. I just wrote an article about it, and I'll explain it in a little bit, but it's on the Vancouver Canucks and JT Miller if you want to go check it out. The hockey writers, Vancouver Canucks, and uh, reasons why they they shouldn't trade JT Miller. But we'll get to that a little bit later on. We're also going to discuss Pat, uh, Evander Kane, sorry, officially becoming an Edmonton Oiler and why people are excited for it. Sure. But why it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. Carey Price on his progress in timeline. But we will start with King Henrik being enshrined in the rafters of Madison Square Garden. I missed you guys. I missed you. I really have. I'm so happy to get this moment with my family and my friends. We're up here somewhere. But most of all, I'm so happy I get an opportunity to say thank you. Thank you to all the amazing fans in here and around this great city. You have supported me throughout my career, and it's been an amazing experience, and it's given me so much joy, and it's definitely played a huge part in making my journey so special. So thank you to everyone in here and around the city. This experience will stay with me for the rest of my life. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Really appreciate it. 
The New York Rangers retired the legendary number 30 of goaltender Henrik Lundqvist on Friday night. He is the 11th player in franchise history to have his number retired, saying that the highs were high and the lows were low and there was not much in between, Lundqvist said during the ceremony and said, that's how I chose to live my life for the past 20 years and 15 right here in New York. It never really changed. He said, playing well and trying to help this team win. It was one of the most important things to me and while it reflected my time in New York, everything I experienced, the people I've met, and what the game has given me. I keep coming back to one feeling, and that's gratitude. Grateful for everything within this organization supporting me and my family. The 32, uh, 39-year-old sorry, announced his retirement from the NHL back in August after 15 seasons, which basically he, all of them, basically spent backstopping the Rangers. He did sign um, a one-year contract with the Washington Capitals before having heart problems and having heart surgery and ultimately deemed afterwards that he could not continue playing as a professional athlete, which is super unfortunate because I feel like he would really help that team out. Uh, but, you know, he he was never able to collect a cup, and he's one of those players that's going to go down in history as, man, I wish he had a cup, right? And that's guys like Patrick Marlowe, and this year Joe Thornton is in pursuit of that in Florida, but dating back to some of the older guys, right? Guys like Matt Sundin and Jerome Ginla, who just never had the opportunity to raise Lord Stanley, and Henrik Lundqvist is another one of those guys who, he had, a, he had a finals run in 2014 where, unfortunately, that got shut down. Remember the game-winning overtime goal by Alec Martinez of the LA Kings as they went on to win the Stanley Cup in five games. Um, just, it, it, just an incredible, incredible career for a goalie who... My favorite thing about him, it's funny because I was playing last night because I, I, Ontario lifted its rules, so like uh, you can play hockey again with people. So I was playing last night. I, it was my first game in like three months or two and a half months. I was awful. Like I was not good. Um, but what I was noticing is I was coming out way too aggressively and trying to do too much. And the one thing about King, King Henrik's game that I loved was he never really challenged the puck. Like, he didn't come outside of the crease. He stayed very back in his goal, and it made it impossible to score on him cross-crease. Like, you couldn't get it, because he's so far deep, he's barely got a move to make the save. But then you go, okay, I'll just shoot the puck over him. And his reflexes and his ability to track the puck are so good. It was uncanny. And whenever I taught goalie growing up, too, I would ask kids, like, well, who's your favorite goalie? Some of them would say Carey Price. Some would say... Um, yeah, I don't know, Frederick Anderson at the time when he was in Toronto, but some of the best goalies, Andre Vasilevsky, and some of them would say Henrik Lundqvist. I'm like, okay, awesome. We're not going to teach you how to play like that. They'd ask you why. I say, because Henrik Lundqvist is one in a million. He's the anomaly. You don't play like Henrik Lundqvist. You do not teach kids to play like Henrik Lundqvist. The stance, the mobility, everything like that, yes. But he never challenged the puck. He never came outside of the crease. Go watch his highlights because there's a lot of them. He never came outside the crease. It was unfathomable. And I just, I love the fact that he was so unique in his own way. And there's just, there's not going to be another goaltender like Henrik Lundqvist. Um, I mean, look at these numbers. So he finished his career with a record of 459 wins, 310 losses, and 96 overtime shootout losses, whatever. He has a save, a career save percentage of 918 and a goals against of 243. That's not a season. That is his career. What's the gold standard for goaltenders? Anything above 900. So if you have like a 905, 910 save percentage, you're like, oh, he's a really good goaltender. 918 in your career is insane. He was a Vesna winner back in 2012. 
uh, was nominated five other times. He's also an Olympic gold medalist at the 2006 Olympic Games and a silver medalist in 2014, where he was the starting goaltender. Man, Sweden in those games, too. You just you knew the back end. They had like all their like six stud defensemen like 06 had like Nick Lidstrom, the Sedin brothers, Henrik Lundqvist and net like they were just loaded top to bottom. And like you mentioned earlier, only 11 Rangers in the history of the organization as being an original six team, only 11 of them have their jersey retired, and King Henrik is one of them. So congratulations to him. Congratulations to New York Rangers. They're looking fantastic right now. They've got their own stud goaltender, Igor Shesterkin, but there can only be one king, and that king is Henrik Lundqvist. All right, I want to move on here to another goaltender and a guy who has not played this season, a guy who has arguably been one of the best goaltenders in the game. It's been, you know, this guy and Henrik Lundqvist and Vasilevsky kind of battling it out for the best goaltender. And that is Montreal Canadiens goaltender, Carey Price. He spoke this past Sunday. After a long time, he is rehabbing a knee injury that kept him out of action since last summer's Stanley Cup final. And he addressed the media for the very first time on Sunday. Take a listen. Uh, well, it's a big part of my identity, for one. You know, <laughs> uh, being a goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens has been my life for the, over a decade. And, um, you know, obviously ending the season on such a disappointing note last year, I just want to be able to get back in there and just continue playing. Um, and to be able to put that sweater on again is something that, uh, you know, is keeping me motivated at this point. So he's hopeful that he'll be able to suit up at some point again this season. And you heard it. So it's part of my identity. He, uh, you know, going through the process of voluntarily going into the NHL's player assistance program back in October, exited after, you know, a month. And he said it was very difficult. He's in a position where he definitely needed to reach out. And it was a trying time. And, you know, he's really grateful and thankful that he was able to get the help that he got. Now, we also said, too, that, you know, talking about, you know, could Carey Price be playing in another uniform at some point in his career? He says, well, my, me and my family are happy here. There's a reason I signed a contract with a no movement clause. I have no plans to move anywhere. Uh, the big issue with his deal is that he's under contract for another four years till 2026 at ten point five million dollars. And as we have seen when Carey Price is not in the lineup, and he's 34, by the way, he's not, he, he, he's always older than like a lot of people expect. He's not 31 or 30, he's 34. But we've seen it. When Carey Price is not a part of this team, they struggle. They struggle very, very hard. And that's the impact he has. Listen, you can hate the contract all you want, but the way that Montreal has been built and their identity they're built to play around a $10.5 million goaltender because he's that good. He's the the reason. It's him and Phil Deneau and Shea Weber, three guys that are not a part of that roster anymore, were the three key cogs to Montreal going to the final last year. I remember saying this at the beginning of the season. I was like, everyone thinks Montreal is going to be good because like, oh, like Kakanyemi was gone too. He was a big, he scored a couple overtime winners, but they're like, we got Suzuki and Drew in and Caulfield. And I'm like, yeah, and you're missing Price and Weber and Deneau and, you know, they've won eight games this year so far. So um, here's the thing. I don't think Carey Price should play this year. I don't. I think it's pointless for Carey Price to go in there and play. I think that he should continue to rehab. I think he should, uh, he should continue to 
do what he's got to do to be 100% for next year. Because what's the goal of playing this year? Just to simply get back on the ice, to be back a part of the team? Because right now you're in contention to get the first overall pick, Shane Wright, and have another young stud come into your roster in the next three to five years on a very minimal contract, which helps when you have a $10.5 million goaltender. What's the goal that Carey Price plays this year? What's the, how does that help you? You're going to win a couple more games and not get the first overall pick? You're not salvaging the season. You're not making the playoffs. Have you seen the Atlantic division? If they caught Boston, it would be impressive. Boston. Boston right now is fourth in the division. In the division alone. Then they ought to catch Toronto, Tampa Bay, and Florida. And Florida keeps friggin' winning games. They're a point away from 70, and they've played 46 games. Tampa's at 64, Toronto's at 59, Boston's at 53. So Montreal has played two more games than Boston and have less than half the points of the Bruins. To get into fourth in the division, you've got to catch Boston, who has more than two times the amount of points you have. And that gets you in the second wild card spot. Not a playoff spot within the top three, a wild card position. You don't you also have to cat pass Detroit, Columbus, the Islanders. Those teams are gonna have enough trouble catching Boston as it is. It's not a playoff year for you. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be a playoff year for you. It doesn't. But make it so. Give Carey Price rest. Go get a high draft pick. Go sign some more guys. They're already missing players. Toffoli was out for some time. Josh Anderson was out for some time. Right? David Savard's out for eight more weeks now. You're probably going to trade Jeff Petrie. Go get some more capital. Like, this is full rebuild for this team. And it's been, it's not, it's been, if you want to go off of last year's expectations and where they finished, it's a, it's an unmitigated disaster. It is. And that's okay. You had the magical Cinderella run last year. It's what everybody was calling it. They didn't call it that because it was a fluke or because people didn't want to see Montreal do well and because they were so young and had this naiveness to just go into the playoffs and knock out Toronto and then Winnipeg and then Vegas and go toe to toe with Tampa. Like it's they're called Cinderella runs for a reason, because the next season, the Cinderella run is it's done. There's no Cinderella run anymore. A hot goaltender, opportunistic scoring, and over-your-head defense. And then you take literally the three most important parts of that team and subtract them. Not to mention an overtime goal scorer in Cockney Yemi who go signed with another team. And yeah, like, I wasn't expecting him to do well this year. And that's okay. You went all in last year. That's fine. I just don't see a point in playing Carey Price this year. If he comes up and he goes, listen, I know that we're not in a good position. I understand that this isn't necessarily our year, but I just want to get back on the ice and play a couple games. That I would get. 
But, but I'm not expecting Carey Price to start the final two months of the season and miss all but four games. That's not what I'm expecting. If Carey Price plays like five games this year, sparingly throughout, sure. But to try and rush him to come back just for the sake of putting the jersey on and playing again, I don't see the rush. You're not winning this year, so why force him? God forbid something else happens. He's awful in those five games. He re-aggravates his knee. It's a worse injury than they thought. Mentally, he gets crapped on by his, you know, fan base again and goes into another, you know, he needs to go into another rehab moment. I don't know. I just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm trying to go through the list of pros and cons for Carey Price to play this year. And there's a lot more cons than there are pros. But if the one pro is he wants to play three or four or five games, however he does, just to get back into it, regardless of the record, fine. But don't play the final month of the season and miss a game. It's not going to do anybody any good. You're not making a run this year. Go take care of yourself, your mental health. Come back next year. The team will be revamped. There's going to be some changes to it. Start fresh next year. You got four more years on your deal. There's no point in rushing it at this point. So we'll see what happens, you know, in the aftermath of it all. But that's that's how I kind of see this scenario going out. I don't think you should rush Carrot Price into it. It's not a whole lot of uh, it's just there's not a whole lot of reasons to do so unless it's just to get him back on skates and playing. But he can practice with the team. Right. He can do all that. But I don't know. If he plays a game or two. It's not going to be the worst thing. But don't don't force him into 30 games down the stretch here. Uh, OK, so. Last Thursday, the Edmonton Oilers announced that they signed forward Evander Kane to a contract for the remainder of the season. Uh, the deal will be a $750,000 salary with a $625,000 in signing bonuses with a cap hit of $2.1 million and a full no-move clause. If you remember, Evander Kane was suspended from the NHL for 21 games back in October for violating the COVID-19 protocol after he allegedly used a fake vaccination card. If you've heard of something like this before uh, in the NFL, Antonio Brown did the same thing. He was suspended three games, which is a three week timeline. Um, Aaron Rodgers was also he said he was, quote, uh, what's the word immunized. And so he missed a game. But, you know, after all that. He was cut earlier by the San Jose Sharks. His contract was terminated for breaching his NHL standards player contract. And he had a $7 million cap hit that was signed through 2024-25. And the NHLPA filed a grievance under his behalf. Now, there's a whole other long list of things is what Evander, Evander Kane went through. I'll go through it quickly. So back in 2016, he was arrested uh, a month after allegedly grabbing three women by the hair and neck in separate incidents. In 2019, uh, he, in a Vegas casino, sued Kane, allegedly that he failed to pay back $500,000 in gambling makers. In 2018, a woman filed a lawsuit against Kane. Allegedly, uh, he failed to follow through on an agreement to pay her $3 million um, after she found out she was pregnant, was trying to figure out what to do with the baby or anything like that. And then in July of uh, January 2021, he filed for bankruptcy with $26.8 million in debt. And in July of 2021, the NHL investigated Kane after his wife allegedly he threw games to support his gambling addiction. Now, he has gone on multiple media platforms and talked about this openly, saying that some of these things that he's being accused of are insane, ridiculous, and that he he pled not guilty to I believe the majority of these things and a lot of teams were not wanting to take interest in it. 
the Edmonton Oilers are one of those teams. You know, he has done a, a, not a lot of great things. Um, he is only 30 years of age. You know, he's averaged nearly 30 goals and 30 assists per season over an 82 game pace during his 12 year career. Having said all of that, finally getting to the point here, I, I forgot how much he did prior to. And and there's a track record. And I've talked about second chances here on this podcast before, but this is like his sixth chance, um, which is wild to me. But, you know, he's been given an opportunity in Edmonton. He played. He debuted on Saturday, scored a goal, said he just likes the fact he's able to contribute. Here's why it doesn't matter. <laughs> what has been Edmonton's problem all year long? They got off to this blazing hot start. Right. They were leading the conference in points. They were atop their division and they've won. What was it? Six of their last 19 or 19, 20 games. What's been their biggest problem this year? What's the one thing we talked about before the season started that they did not address in the offseason and in fact got worse? Defense and goaltending. Defensively this offseason, you lost Ethan Bear. Evan Bouchard's been great. But you traded away Ethan Bear. You didn't go get a goalie. In fact, you re-signed your 39-year-old or 40-year-old to a two-year extension. And you still have Miko Koskinen. You didn't move him. And I have been preaching this on this podcast for weeks now. Get a goalie. Go get a goalie. Go get a defenseman. Go get a top four defenseman. Go get a guy. Go get some depth. You have enough forwards. Here's the problem. You just added $2.1 million in cap in Evander Kane, who, yes, is going to play in your top six, will score a couple goals. Maybe it's a good fit. It doesn't matter if you're losing game 6-4. They lost yesterday to Ottawa, 3-2. It's good they don't have goalie. You've got a, you've got all the name players. You got McDavid and Drysidle and Kane and Hyman and Nugent Hopkins and on the back end you've got Nurse and you've got I know Barry's hurt right now but you've also got Bouchard. But you've got Mike Smith who's been hurt for most of the year and Miko Koskinen who's not great. And there are so many defensemen on the table who you could trade for. Jacob Chikorin, Josh Manson, Jeff Petrie. You drafted Jeff Petrie. You're going to have to trade a first for him now. Or go get a goalie. Look at all the goalies that are available right now. Uh, 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 Gorgiev from the Rangers. Braden Holpe from the Stars. Marc-Andre Fleury. Teams with multiple goaltenders. Toronto and Peter Morazic. Teams have reached out. Now, apparently Toronto's not trading Morazic, at least until after the season. They'd entertain it, but there are teams that have called about him. There are teams with multiple goalies who you could easily trade for, and one of those guys would be an improvement. What's the trade? Well, if you need, if you need to offset money and the team just wants a backup, go to the Rangers. Be like, give us Gorgiev. We'll trade you Koskinen in return. His contract's up at the end of the year, and we'll send you a first. A first in Koskinen for Gorgiev. 
Koskinen's deal's done at the end of the year. The Rangers can take the cap it. The Rangers are on the unless they're going to add something else. But they can they can do that. Then they also got a draft pick. Oh, go to the Islanders. The Islanders have a multitude of players. You want a defenseman? Go get Adam Pellick. You want a goaltender? Go get Simeon Varlamov. Varlamov would be a beautiful fit. That's the team. They need draft picks. They need draft capital. They've, they've got their guy in Ilya Sorokin. Go trade Georgiev or go get um, Varlamov from the Islanders. Go trade Koskinen. Chip in a first or a second or whatever it's going to take to get him. If it doesn't even cost you a first, amazing. I would think a second or a third in Koskinen for Varlamov would get that done. The Capits would, would offset. Islanders get a pick. Screw it. Make it a blockbuster. Koskinen, a first and a second for Varlamov, Pelik, and I don't know, a seventh to even it up. I just, there are so many scenarios. Like Dallas, same thing. Braden Holpe, John Klingberg's on the market. Jacob Chikorin from Arizona's on the market. I just go, go get, just go get a goal. It, how I, I need, someone needs to buy a billboard in Edmonton and plaster it. They're go, they have never had an issue scoring goals. Edmonton is that that's not their issue. They went out and they signed Zach Hyman. They traded for Warren Fogle. They traded away Ethan Bear. But Evan Bouchard's in, and they had they rebrought they brought back Tyson Berry and they brought back Mike Smith. Now they've signed Evander Kane. Like, all right, calm down. You've got your forwards. Go get a goalie. Go get a defenseman. It's not that hard. Do I think Edmonton's going to make the playoffs still? I think they got a shot. But if the best thing I have to say about a team that has two of the top five players on the planet is that they have a shot to make the playoffs, you're doing something wrong. Like, what a base to just have with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And to be like, they might make it. Like, that can't be... That can't be what the argument is that they yeah, they got a chance. They should be up there. Like if Toronto right now was not in a playoff spot and they're in a way harder division, way harder division. How harder of a division? Toronto right now is in third place in their division. Third with 59 points. Third with 59 points. They would be in second in the Central, first in the Pacific. The Metro is also a gauntlet, and they'd be in fourth right now. But they've got games in hand on all Pittsburgh, Rangers, and Washington. So they'd be, they're, they're right there. They'd be leading the Pacific Division right now. Leading it. Edmonton's in fifth. And they, the, the, the crazy part is they still have a chance. They're right there. They're a point out of a wild card spot. But Calgary's played one less game. The Stars played a couple more, and they're starting to win games. Get a goalie. Start net. And then go get a defenseman. A defensive defenseman, like a Matt Pellick. 
I don't think you're getting Ryan Pollock because he just signed long term in the island, but go get a Pellick. Go get somebody. Somebody to play defense for you. Um, ben Sherratt from Montreal. There's another guy. Go get Jake Allen. Go trade Koskinen for Jake Allen. Jake Allen would be a beautiful, beautiful fit there. Go get Ben Sherratt and Jake Allen. Trade Koskinen a first and I don't know. Make that work. I just gave you like four scenarios. Go make one of them work, Edmonton. Please, please go make one of them work. All right. And the uh, the last topic we'll, we'll kind of bring up today. It's going to be a shorter episode. I got I have other I have interviews and stuff later on, so I got to make this one quick. But I want to move on to another Canadian team. And I like that we've kept it a little Canadian here. And I want to talk on the Vancouver Canucks. And I know. OK, before I go to Vancouver, I know we have a lot of Leaf fans listening. Listen, I just read something. The month of January, the Leafs went eight, two and one. It was apparently a horrible month. They were blowing leads. They were giving they were having to come from behind. Jack Campbell wasn't great last night, but they still won their second straight two goal comeback in as many games. They were eight, two and one in January. Jake Muzzin's been out this whole time. Campbell hasn't been great and they're still winning. They're fine. They're gonna be fine. Defensively, they got to clean it up, but they always do. They're going to add a defenseman this year. They're fine. Don't worry about it. There's my leaf leafs in a minute. Do you ever watch that, by the way? Um, like Leafs games, like Leafs, like um, Leafs in six minutes, or like a Leaf game in six minutes. It used to be on the like the, the Leafs network. Gosh, that was always the best, wasn't it? Anyways, I want to move on here to the the Vancouver Canucks because I I follow them, I write for them for the hockey writers, and I've had to I've taken some more notes. And since the hiring of Bruce Boudreaux, this team has drastically turned it around. They are trying to get themselves in the thick of it right now. Amazingly enough, I know Vancouver's played a few more games, but they played 45. They are two points out of a playoff position. Now, teams have games in hand, but those games aren't guaranteed wins. So whenever those even up, they'll be like, what, four points out of a playoff spot? After starting 8-15-2, that was the record. They're now 20-19-6. They they're above 500, which is incredible. They've only lost four games in regulation since hiring Bruce Boudreaux. They've won 12 they're like 12, 4, and I think 3 or 4. But anyways. But, you know, if they don't make the playoffs, teams are going to be calling them being like, are you guys selling? What are you going to do? And a lot of instances have talked about the possibility of trading JT Miller. Now, JT Miller has two more years, including this like this year and next year left on his contract. His cap hit of about $5.25 million, something like that. And there's indications on, you know, what would a JT Miller trade look like? And I wrote emphatically, they should not trade JT Miller. Here's why. Ever since coming to Vancouver, he was traded, by the way, from the Tampa Bay Lightning because they couldn't afford him. And they traded a first round pick away and everyone freaked out. They're like, you gave away a first round pick for Miller? Miller, since being acquired in 165 games, has 162 points. Nearly a point per game player at 5.25 million. And he's under contract for next year, too. Vancouver has signed. The core is locked up. Pedersen, Hughes, Besser, Horvat. You've got Hoglander, Pod Colson. You've still got some vets in Tanner Pearson on the back end. You've got Tyler Myers. And in, in, I think I mentioned Hughes earlier. But then you've also got Oliver Ekman Larson, who you just acquired, who really hasn't been that bad this year. He's been a very solid 
you know, top four defenseman. Is he spectacular in everything that they wanted? Maybe not, but like he's not, he's been better this year than he was last year. You know, and they signed Tucker Pullman and they had Travis Hamannick for a bit and they've got Thatcher Demko in a very cheap backup in Yaroslav Halak, who they also might move Edmonton. But you don't trade away. One, you don't trade away your most productive player. He's easily their most productive player. But two, he's locked next year for $5.25 million. My argument is whenever you're going to lose a player, right? If you're going to lose a player, you think to yourself as a general manager, as a team, can we make up for his production with the cap we saved? Basically, JT Miller, who averages like 79 points a season, can Vancouver sign a player or two to make up 79 points for $5.25 million? Now, unless you're Toronto, I would say the answer is no. Now, why you're like, Kyle, why are you always mentioning Toronto? Well, Toronto has a player, a couple players. Uh, the first one by the name of Michael Bunting who is signed for not just this year, but next year at $900,000. He has 27 points in 41 games. They also have a player under contract by the name of Alexander Kerfoot, who makes $3.5 million. Combine those cap hits total, and that ends up being $4.4 million. Right now, those two players combine for 58 points. JT Miller this season... Remember, 58 points. Miller has 44 points in 43 games. Which is why I asked the question, if you lose a player that's your top producer and you gain cap, can you make up the difference in points with what you're losing with the cap hit you've gained? There is a very, very rare instance where you are able to do this, which is hilarious because instead of Toronto, basically signed a couple players to make up Zach Hyman, who now makes $5.5 million. He makes more than JT Miller does right now in Edmonton. And he's only got like 27 points or something like that. You are not going to find a player of JT Miller's caliber and replace him one for one player with the same cap hit. Here's a perfect example. During the offseason, Vancouver made a trade for not only Oliver ekman Larson, but they also made a trade for Connor Garland. They immediately signed him to a five-year contract extension at just a, 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 um, a hair shy at $5 million. I think it's 4.95. Almost $5 million. And you're like, awesome. He's been a great player for them. And he has been. But in 40 games, he has 24 points. So let's just, for example, use a guy like Connor Garland. Like you go in the offseason and you sign two guys and you're one guy who's like, all right, he's probably a bank to make to score 20, 25 goals, maybe 50, 55 points. Well, now you've got 500 grand to replace the remainder of the point total, which is about 30 points, which you could do, but you need 900 to do it. You are banking on one of those players having to hit and then getting lucky and signing a guy to less than a million dollars to make up the rest of that cap. It is a very difficult, uh, unnecessarily challenging thing for a general manager to do when you've got that player. It'd be a different story if JT Miller's contract ended this year. If his contract ended this year and Vancouver's not making the playoffs, trade him. But you don't know how good you're going to be next year. You don't know how bad you're going to be next year. 
Your whole core is signed. Thatcher Demko is signed. Your goalie is set in stone. Your captain Bo Horvat signed. You just signed Quinn Hughes and Elias Pedersen. You've got Brock Besser locked up. You've got Paul Colson and Hoglander. And you've got Tanner Pearson, and you just signed for Jason Dickinson. Like, if there's a guy to move, it's Jason Dickinson, who's been playing fourth line, who makes $3 million. If there's a guy to trade for cap, it's Tanner Pearson, who makes like three and a half, four million dollars $4 It's Tucker Pullman, who I know you just signed, but he makes almost $3 million. There's your money. Don't trade your most uh, productive and probably the best contract player you have on your team, because this might not be the year. You've got them next year. If next year you're in the same position as this year and you're like, all right, we're probably going to miss the playoffs. We got to we got to do something here. Then trade them. Teams are still going to give up. Toronto gave up a second round pick for Nick Foligno. Since that trade, he scored one goal since and he signed a new contract with Boston. Don't trade your most productive and easily your best contract player. This year, when he's got a whole other year left on his deal, it makes absolutely no sense. The teams that have done that have regretted it immediately. And I will go back to this because the examples I know are from Toronto. Toronto traded for Jack Campbell. And it was a it, not a nothing trade, but it was a third and something. And they got Jack Campbell and I think Kyle Clifford out of the deal. Well, Jack Campbell had two more years left on his deal at $1.7 million. Jack Campbell is going to the All-Star game this year. Toronto made a trade earlier with uh, with also the Kings. They acquired Jake Muzzin. They sent a first and Sean Dursey. And Dursey's look great. I think the trades worked out for both teams. But Jake Muzzin was under contract after the, the year he got traded. And it was easily Toronto's best defensive defenseman. I, I, I There's not a position... There's not a, a trade that I can remember or recollect that has gone well for the team trading away a player that is under contract for the following season. It doesn't it, forward goaltender defenseman doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. His Miller's Corsi numbers are also incredible. Don't trade him this year. Trade Tanner Pearson this year. Trade Jason Dickinson. Trade Yaroslav Halak. Unique cap space. Go trade one of those guys. Don't trade Miller. Miller is, and he's also, he wears a letter on your team. It makes no sense. You still have a chance to make a run this year. Don't trade JT Miller. Anyways, I, I wrote an article on it too, basically summing that up, but I go in a little bit more analytical stats and whatnot. If you want to go check it out, it's up on the Hockey Rangers. Um, some news and notes before we head on out of here. Uh, big shout out last night, Mason Marchment of the Florida Panthers with two goals and four assists on the night. Six points, which is just rem uh, remarkable. I think in he had 27 career points in like 52 games. He had six last night. Just unreal stuff. Uh, talking about trades, Canadian general manager Ken Hughes saying he's open to trading Jeff Petrie. He's going to be taking calls on them as well. That's going to be an interesting piece. He just signed a brand new contract. He makes like six or six and a half million dollars per year starting in uh, start next year. So that would be an expensive trade if that were to uh, if that were to happen. Um, also, I know we talked about the retirement jersey for Henrik Lundqvist. Big shout out to Sergei Zuboff, who had his number 56 retired as a member of the Dallas Stars. They raised his jersey in the rafters as well. And big congratulations going on out to him. I just I remember him as being such an offensively gifted stud of a defenseman who was 
easily also like just as good defensively as he was offensively. And uh, yeah, Sergey Zuboff, his jersey, number 56, going to the rafters. Congratulations going on out to him. Uh, Zuboff played over 12 seasons as a member of the Stars in 839 games and had 549 points as a defenseman, which ranks seventh on the all-time list among uh, Dallas defensemen. He led uh, the Stars to their only Stanley Cup in 1999. He had 13 points in 23 playoff games during that run, and he averaged over 30 minutes a night so no whenever you see guys like victor hedman and you know as as maligned as he is guys like um uh seth jones and roman yossi when those guys are playing those heavy minutes they're not the first defenseman to do it sergey zuboff was doing it back in the day nicholas lidstrom chris chelios all those boys so congratulations going on out to him uh chad greenway signed a three-year contract as a member of the minnesota wild i think it's going to be about three million dollars per and uh the toronto maple leafs are looking again they've been taking calls on peter morazic saying that teams have inquired about him they've also been looking into ohl prospect mac Gusta, uh, he's an overage goaltender playing for the Barry Colts right now. He's had very good numbers. He's six foot five. I think he's twenty or twenty-one years of age, and as a possibility to sign over there, they have done this with. Uh, I believe his name was Justin Brazzo. He played for North Bay Battalion. He was an overage player. They signed him to a professional tryout. So we'll see what comes of that. But uh, I don't think Toronto's moving Mrazic this year. He came in relief last night. He looked great. This is kind of the 1A, 1B tandem that Toronto was looking for. God forbid Campbell doesn't play well or gets hurt. They've got a guy they can throw in net and play for consecutive games with NHL experience. I think it's the best move that he does not go anywhere. I understand the cap hit, but I... I think right now it's kind of the best move to keep him, and clearly he's showing why Toronto Toronto signed him in the first place. All right, that is it for the podcast today. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you want to follow along on ST uh, Hockey Podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, go give me a review. Uh, I want to say interviews are coming in the next little bit. I've just things have been so busy with I just I haven't been able to have the time. But even if I just get guests that are going to have a fun conversation, I'm going to try and reach out and see what I can do and just have a talk. But uh, until then, enjoy. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of the week. I'll see you next Tuesday. Until then, that's a wrap. Oh,